from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. This is George Taroni of the Library of Congress. Saturday, September 24th, will mark the 16th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The festival, which is free and open to the public, will be held at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. Hours will be from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. For more details, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. And now it is my pleasure to introduce author Eric Weiner, whose latest book is titled Geography of Genius, a search for the world's most creative places from ancient Athens to Silicon Valley. A former correspondent of the New York Times and NPR, Eric is also the author of the best-selling Geography of Bliss and of Man Seeks God. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. So you've gone around the world looking for genius. So let's talk about what genius is. Can, can genius be measured by an IQ test or SAT scores? Or is there a smartphone app to find genius? How do you know it when you see it? Well, I, no, I, I don't think genius can be measured uh, by an IQ test. In fact, uh, the sort of genius I'm talking about has surprisingly little to do with intelligence. I'm talking about creative genius, um, the sort of creative leaps that a few people throughout history have made uh, to earn them the title of genius. Um, you know, the German philosopher Schopenhauer put it this way uh, when talking about the difference between mere talent and genius. Talent, he says, hits the target no one else can hit. Genius hits the target no one else can see. Um, so it's that sort of conceptual creative leap uh, that's the kind of genius that I went uh, seeking in my book. Some of the places you talk about were pretty grim in their heyday. For example, homes in ancient Athens were shoddy and the streets were full of sewage. Does that kind of atmosphere encourage genius? You know, surprisingly, that sort of atmosphere does encourage genius. You know, genius is a messy business and actually tends to thrive um, in vibrant, messy, and even chaotic places. If you look at uh, the cities, and it's almost always cities where these genius clusters, as I call them, form, form. If you look at them, they are places like, as you said, Athens, uh, which was, even by the standards of its day, a, a bit of a dump. Um, dirty, messy, and very, very smelly. Uh, the same could be true, said, of Renaissance Florence or Vienna during... Freud's uh, era of roughly 1900. These are teeming, chaotic places. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Um, because if you have, a, if you think about it in terms of like a lot of molecules bouncing off of each other, the more molecules you have in that container bouncing around, the more likely they're, they're like, more likely they are to interact with one another. And that's, I believe, when genius happens. When you have these these new combinations formed, and you need a little bit of messiness in order for that to happen. And you mentioned about clustering. So is it also the combination of people that helps the, the genius grow? Well, it definitely is people. Ultimately, what I'm talking about when I talk about the geography of genius 
uh, is really the sort of culture that cultivates genius. And when you're talking about culture, you're talking about people, more than one person, groups of people getting together, like-minded people, yes, cooperative to some extent, but also competitive. And if you look at the, the seven or so genius clusters I examined in my book, a lot of them were competitive. Um, most of all, I would say Renaissance Florence, where you had a fierce competition by, between the likes of uh, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, but it was the sort of competition that actually brought out the best in both men. I noticed in your book you mention alcohol and caffeine in connection with genius. Do, does altered states does it have a role to play? So, uh, you know, both alcohol and to some extent caffeine play a role in creativity, but not exactly in the way you think. Let me explain. Um, a little bit of alcohol does reduce our inhibitions. And psychologists believe that it is this reduction in inhibitions, known as the disinhibition hypothesis, that leads to creative thinking. It's when we let our guard down that creative ideas flow. Um, and that happens with a little bit of alcohol, but not with a lot. Now, when it comes to coffee, Coffee, you know, may be helpful if you're trying to finish your tax returns or do a mathematical problem. Um, it's actually not that happy, not that helpful, rather, when you're trying to be creative. Um, the one positive role that coffee does play is the social aspect. And I write about Vienna of 1900 and how there was so much creativity happening in the many coffee houses of Vienna. And to this day, you see, see people getting together in, in coffee shops, such as Starbucks and others, and if they're not online, they might be talking to one another. And it's always this interaction uh, among people, among creative people, that I think leads to what I call genius clusters. And if I were to travel today, where are today's geniuses? That's a good question. Um, I think they're all at the Library of Congress, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Oh, well, there's certainly a lot of geniuses in the shelves of the Library of Congress, but you know, I chose one place in the U.S. to sort of represent 20th and 21st century genius, and that place is Silicon Valley. Um, and some readers might take exception. They might question, you know, does Silicon Valley belong up there with ancient Athens, Renaissance, Florence, and some of these other places I write about? Um, I think it does. Uh, it may be too early to have a definitive verdict. You know, these genius clusters take sort of time. We need to have the the benefit of hindsight to look back at them and, and declare them genius clusters or not. But I think you have a lot of the makings of it in Silicon Valley. It's certainly, they're producing creative things, or at least um, I would argue fine-tuning creative products that change our life. They meet that one criterion, which is impact. You know, a creative breakthrough is only a creative breakthrough if it has impact. Um, either a piece of art that makes an impression on people, or an invention, um, like the steam engine, uh, or like this thing, the iPhone, the smartphone, um, that, that changes our, our, our lives. And, um, you know, it may not be ancient Athens in or Renaissance Florence in terms of its interdisciplinary nature. It tends to be mainly about technology, but I think you see a lot of similarities, in fact, between Silicon Valley and some genius clusters of centuries past. Thank you. I noticed that you like to travel. Your your books uh, have a, a lot of different interesting destinations, and that's quite appropriate to our book festival theme, which is Journey to the Unknown. I wonder, when you're having a bad day, 
What's your happy place that you like to travel to? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I like to go for walks and uh, I'm in good company when it comes to walking. Um, Sigmund Freud went for walks in, the, in big circles on what was called the Ring and still is the Ringstrasse, this sort of circular boulevard in Vienna. Beethoven uh, would go for walks in the Wienerwald of the Austrian forests to come up with his ideas. Charles Dickens would walk through the streets of London in the middle of the night uh, when he was stuck on a particular book he was working on. Mark Twain was a big pacer, um, but still walked, didn't get anywhere. And um, I think there's something to this. I think there's something about the act of walking uh, when we're having a bad day or even when we're having a good day that that lets the creative juices flow. Uh, our conscious mind is occupied with putting one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Uh, while on some subterranean level, um, ideas are marinating. And in fact, Stanford University recently did a study looking at the connection between walking and creativity. They put some people on a, on a treadmill, some people walking outside in the woods, and some people just sitting down in a chair and not walking at all, and then gave them a test designed to measure creative thinking skills. So, there, so there's some empirical evidence as well as anecdotal evidence uh, that walking is very good for creativity, whether you're having a bad day or a good day. Very good. What excites you about appearing at the National Book Festival and what do you have in store for readers? This will be my second time at the festival um, and I love it. I mean, there really uh, is nothing else like it. Um, sponsored by the Library of Congress, you don't get bigger than that. And just there's so many book lovers who come out and it just, it's kind of heartening, to be honest, to, to, to learn that the book is alive and well and that people still love to read. I'm always amazed at the turnout uh, at this event. It is phenomenal. And just to be in the company of, uh, of phenomenal writers, um, I'll tell you a story of when I was at the last uh, book festival. Um, I had the uh, honor of meeting... Um, the author of uh, the Wimpy Kid books, Diaries of a Wimpy Kid. And uh, his name escapes me right now. Uh, but my daughter, who was then about seven years old, um, I had her in mind. And so I got an autograph and a little drawing for her. And I think that impresses her more than anything I've written, is that I've got the, got the Wimpy Kids author to, to write something for her. Um, that's just some of the serendipity that goes on. In terms of what I have in store for readers, um, well, you'll travel with me around the world from ancient Athens to Hangzhou, China, to Silicon Valley. You'll travel from 450 BC to last Tuesday, and you'll do it all without a passport, without any shots needed, um, without any jet lag, and it's going to be an awful lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. Thank you, George. We've been hearing from Eric Weiner, who will appear on Saturday, September 24th in the Science Pavilion at the National Book Festival at the Washington Convention Center. Mr. Weiner, thank you for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.